Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, I get the pleasure of interviewing someone that I have known so closely for four or five years of my life. Her name is Kate Arthur. She's originally from Pennsylvania, which is a code for Pennsylvania, for those of you who are not familiar. And uh, we actually both met in Portland, Oregon, where we worked at the same restaurant for about, like I said, four years. And uh, I think if you combined my two best friends from my youth and my brother, it would be tied with Kate as the person I bickered with the most in my life. So I <laughs> love this person to death and back, and she's very special to me. So without any further delay, Kate Arthur, welcome to the show. Well, howdy, folks. Howdy, Mikey. <laughs> I miss you so dearly. I it, To hear your voice is so it's endearing. It really is. And same to you. And it's as I the best part of doing the show actually is getting in touch with people um, because it's a great excuse to kick back and talk. And then there's just a little bit of focus. But before we get into that, um, could you please tell our audience uh, how old you are, where you grew up, and what generation, if any, you think you belong to? Okay. Well, where do I begin? Okay, I'm I'm 39, still doing fine, as I like to say. Um, I was 38. I was 38 and great, but then I turned 39, so I had to change. My slogan. Um, I'm from Benton. Well, I'm technically from Benton, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in a little town called Stillwater. I was born in Kingston. I was born and raised, and at 17, I moved as fast as I possibly could to anywhere but Benton. However, now I reside back in Benton, and I live in a little farmhouse um, in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty righteous. I I love it. Um, but I I I definitely like. Mikey and I talked a, a brief second before we started recording, and I'll tell you what, I associate, I guess, as a cuspy millennial, but I really am not, because technologically, I'm not very good. They just introduced handhelds. They just introduced handhelds at the place that I work, and, and everyone's like, oh, technology, it's a wonderful thing. Well, yeah, except in except when you live in the middle of nowhere where the internet service is patchy. Anyway, long story longer, back to you. <laughs> no, that was awesome. And actually, I totally forgot. I don't forget when I talk to you, but um, we both went to the University of Pittsburgh and we were there at the same time. And uh, you have a twin sister and I had a class with her. And so when I met you, I didn't recognize you. And then when she came and flew out to meet you, I recognized her, which makes no sense to me to this day because you're twins. But um, yeah, and you bartended and my, my friends and I used to go to the bar that you were at even. Yeah, well, my twin sister and I couldn't be, we are identical twins, but we couldn't be more different. She lives a very different life than myself. I'm kind of a, I guess I'm the evil twin, they say, but she's kind of evil sometimes too, in all honesty. I think you're both evil twins. Yeah, I mean, I think as twins, you just like, you have, maybe you know what's going on in the world. You got, you got born into the world with your best friend. So what do you need from there? One of the reasons you're one of my favorite people ever is you're like actually a real hippie and I am too, but like when I say that to our audience who can't see us, like, uh, actually, you, you didn't have dreads when I met you. But I mean, uh, first of all, do you agree with my premise that you're a real hippie? So in some ways, I do, because I'd like to believe that there are modern day hippies. However, what I always told people back in the day, even though I wore patch pants and had dreadlocks and I smoked ganja, um, my my parents were hippies. And and so I got born into that culture, and I'm very very grateful for that. Um, do I think that I'm 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 hip? Hell yeah, I do. 
actually, so like, yeah, you were raised by your parents who were hippies, and I mean, they definitely, in my opinion, did it right. Um, so, did you ever like have a backlash against that? Because you know how like people who come from like really conservative backgrounds sometimes have like a backlash phase. Did you ever have a backlash phase to their hippiness? Like when I was younger, I I was like, I am never gonna smoke marijuana, and then and then I turned fifteen, you know, and no, I I, I feel like I. I did have a phase where I feel like well, when I, so when I went to the University of Pittsburgh, I was like, give me the city, give me all the culture, which is something I didn't have growing up in small town America. However, now I find myself here back in Benton, exactly, almost exactly where I grew up. And I find myself having a, a total affinity to like being back to my roots in that regard. And I, I, I can't say that I ever thought like, I wish I had been like born into a more conservative um, upbringing. And so in that regard, no, I guess not. Yeah, I mean, and so like just to kind of color the picture even more for my audience, uh, our audience, I should say, um, the, one of the reasons I, I call you hippie though is like the very first time I met you, you my uh, best friend from college was moving to Portland with you and two other friends who I didn't know yet. And uh, when you guys got off the bus, you were just like the nicest person ever. Like you really, and and. I worked with you for four years and you were the nicest person ever. Don't get me wrong. Like I said earlier, she's an evil twin, everyone. Like, I'm <laughs> But uh, you really are. You always extend friendship and warmth to everyone. And it's genuine. And it's really like with no concealed motives. So uh, how how would you explain that? I mean, you obviously you're humble and you're not just going to be like, of course that's true. But I, I please accept my premise and then just kind of explain. Like what, where, where do you get off trusting people so fully when you first meet them? I honestly was just reminiscing about those days. I moved across the country with my very dear friend and she had a 16 foot Pepsi truck that was chock, it was chock full of everything she owned. Now me on the other hand, I had a backpack, a sewing machine and a potted plant. You came and helped unload the truck. So Mikey, I was just reminiscing about how we met and how the trajectory of my life changed so drastically because you introduced me to Eugenia. Anyway, so you helped us you helped us move the, the, the stuff out of the truck and I didn't have anything, but Bridget had like a world of stuff. And then you said, well, I work at this place called Eugenia's and I went into Eugenia's and that changed my life as well. It was awesome. And I can't remember if I immediately hired you or if you got a job somewhere else first, but um, you know, it was shortly thereafter we were working together. And then, and that's why when I introduced the bickering part, we didn't bicker because like, we hated each other or anything. We just were like the tightest coworkers ever. And it was a place that had like three total employees. And so it was just hilarious. We were like brother and sister just by default. <laughs> and the customers would be so upset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'd come in on a day where we were like not appreciating each other. And they'd just like walk out. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait for Eugene to hear this. I love that. So, um, you know, the point of this podcast is to talk about life and death and how it affects uh, the way we live our life, our, our views on death. Eventually, I'm going to end up asking you about some recent stuff in your life and how you've been dealing with all that. Yeah. But before we get into that, uh, what is right now on, we're recording July 11th, 2022. What do you think is going to happen to you when you die? Ooh, okay, so to give it a backstory, I'm a landscaper by trade at this juncture. I, I quit bartending and waitressing because I wanted so very much to just like, I mean, if I had a plot of land, I would have I would have put things in the earth and grown them for myself, myself, but I couldn't because I didn't have a plot of land. So I started landscaping because I thought it was it was healthier for my psyche. 
However, I, I landscaped for an all-girls landscaping company, and I came across this tree, and I've never seen it before. It's called the fringe tree. And so I just, rec I just recently bought three of them, and, I, and me and the person I'm living with planted three of them on the property because I said I want to be buried under a fringe tree. Um, I don't necessarily want my body. I, I actually am kind of up in the air about whether I want to be cremated or I, I want my or whether I want my body to go under a tree. But in order to be buried under a tree legally in a lot of states, you have to own the property and you can establish your own um, uh, cemetery. Uh, yeah, like in Oregon, if you own your own property and you want to be buried on your property, that's perfectly legitimate. You can like establish your own personal cemetery, but that's not the case in a lot of states and probably I haven't looked into it. I'm hoping not to die for like a little while. Um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm 39. I'm hoping I get like, maybe I was just thinking today, maybe I'll live to be 139 and be like the oldest woman that ever walked the face of the planet. But that sounds <laughs> ominous given the state of the world. Right. But, uh, I originally wanted to be cremated, but to me right now, it doesn't, I, I have no children. I don't have a boyfriend or a husband. Um, in all honesty, like I, all I want is that for like when I, my twin and I, when we die, it will be uh, simultaneous perhaps. I might die first because let's be honest, I'm a little bit more, um, I don't know, avant-garde or I don't know what the word is to describe. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little bit more outrageous than Becky. So, but like, but if, if anything were to happen to Becky, I want to be, I want to die that day too. And I want our energy to be together. So if we do get cremated, I would like to get cremated together. Um, if she decides that she would also like to be buried under a fringe tree with me, then that's her wishes you know well so do you think like your just energy goes away or do you think you're going to be like aware of your own dead body and like earth still and stuff you know quite frankly when you asked me to do this i didn't know if i was going to be able to talk about my father's passing without crying and losing my cool but it's been a year now and um i my dad dying has made me think a lot about it yeah um we're where does your where does your body go? Where does your physical self go? Where does your soul go? Um, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in spirituality and energy. And I think your energy goes back into the universe. Whether you decide to be cremated and have your energy go back into the universe that way, or you decide to get buried on your property and have your energy come out in the new growth that is from the tree that you got buried under. Um, your your physical being is gone, but your soul and your energy is still here. And that's how I've taken solace in my father's death because I, he's with me. I drove across the country on Route 90 in the middle of winter and I, I hit 30 minutes of snow and everyone was so scared for me. They were like, are you crazy? We're driving across the country in the middle of winter in a truck that like barely runs but um i made it and i felt like my dad was with me the whole time his energy died with him but it didn't die it just went back out in the universe and it's like following me around now yeah i mean i've i've had four or five really close people to me pass away that uh you know it, it really affected me 
and uh, I've definitely felt their energy and their presence like in, in the time since. And it's it's one of those things like I don't need someone else to confirm it, and I don't need anyone to explain it either. Um, so I 100% am with you. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious. Uh, it, it's kind of like jumping back one topic, but I think it's totally related. Uh, what um, what what's the whole like the twin thing like? Because like we just popular culture, you hear so many stories that like oh one time I was thinking of this thing and my twin called me blah blah blah. Do you have any of those like quote unquote like freaky twin stories? Becky and I are connected. I mean, I want to solely attribute it to twinship, but it's actually just like an energetic connection that like I think exists amongst like you and I, or like me and you and Eugene, or like anyone. The energetic connection doesn't necessarily have to be like you shared a womb. The, I have five sisters, you know, beyond that. And, um, I have an energetic connection with every one of them, however close or separate it is. Could you explain what is so significant that you want to be buried with her? Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Well, I ironically was just talking to her last night about this and the truth is i just i just know that like if anything happened to becky i would not commit suicide and go with her to wherever she went like but i want to know that like whatever is left because when you're cremated there there is some remnants of your physical self left and it's a it's a strange thing to think about but i think about it because i recently sprinkled my dad's ashes in the river that he jumped in when he committed suicide last year and i want my twin and i we came in together whatever's physical left with us i want it to be together so i want to be i want to come in together and i want to go out together and She's on board with that, except in the fact that she, I think she probably wants to live a little longer than I do. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, you know, because this is something I never asked you about, but like we were both, um, oh, so you're 39, I'm 41. So yeah, so we're like two years apart. And, uh, you know, back in the days we were working in restaurants, we're in our 20s and we were definitely like, I would say moderate to heavy drinkers. I wouldn't say crazy, but um, uh, I know that we both yet at the same time were kind of health conscious. So are you more health conscious than you used to be? Are you the same? Like, has anything changed in the last 10 years since we really hung out? So I think I have an extenuating circumstance because I am a childless adult that does not have a partner. So there's really no one I have to answer to. Like if I want to get up and pour myself a drink, I can. Um, do I do that every day? No. I mostly go to work as a landscaper and then by weekends I'm a bartender and actually I bartended the last four nights in a row and it was gruesome by the way. Mikey, if you have PT if you have PTSD from Eugenios, I do too. I would love to never step foot in a restaurant on the other side ever again. <laughs> but yeah. I and I said that. I said I'm never going to bartend or waitress ever again and now I'm doing that. But I'm also landscaping and the landscaping gives me some zen. I still do both and they're both gratifying. I really think that I'm always going to be like a waitress and a bartender. And like you, you, you do this because you want to, you want to talk to people. You want to listen to people. You want, you want to hear people's stories. And then I also talk to people and hear their stories. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this was because I wanted to hear your story too. Yeah, actually it's weird. It hasn't come out yet, but I did open up a little bit about, um, 
what happened recently with my son on the last podcast I did. It was with this amazing guy who's a psychic, and uh, he was talking about like family and reconciliation. And not to like bum every single person down, but you did mention your father twice, and I just want to make sure I like cover all the bases with it. So I'm not forcing you to share anything you don't want to, but I do think that what happened to him and how you've dealt with it could be very helpful for other people. So if you're willing to, do you mind just kind of um, letting us know your take on that experience, whatever that means to you? 100%. And I'm so glad you asked me that question because that was something that I was like, I don't know what he's going to ask me. How am I going to answer? I thought about trying to prepare for this. And and I also thought about whether I was going to be able to remain um, composed in talking about my father's passing, but I do think it actually would be advantageous for other people that have experienced suicide to like hear what I have to say. And that is one thing is grief has no timeline. Maybe it was your most recent podcast about the woman who's a embalmer. Like I listened to that and like grief has no timeline for me. And I actually started taking after my dad died um, so to give every, all your listeners a backstory, my dad has been mentally ill my entire life and he jumped in the river across from his house. And we, we, I mean, it's speculative because they didn't find his body for a little while. It was at a time in my life when I didn't know what was going on with my personal relationships. I had just rekindled a relationship with my father. We had talked every day. And I told him, like, you're my friend now, dad. You're not my dad anymore. You're just my friend and I love you. And um, the day before he died, before he jumped in the river, I I told him, you're my dad. I will love you forever. He said, it's the end. He, I think he had had a stroke or something because he couldn't use his tools anymore. And he was a carpenter. And when you can't use your tools as a carpenter, like, and he's 68 years old, living by himself, really estranged from most of his daughters. And I uh, I said, I love you. And, and that was the end because the next day I called him and my grief came in waves. And that's what I'll, t- I'll talk to you about is my grief was in waves. There are days that I wake up and I'm fine. And then there's days I wake up and I'm not good. And I know it. I, I went to the online counseling and... I'm like, it was COVID times. So I, I, yeah, I had online counseling with this guy that I had never seen before, or I, I could, you know, maybe he was just a robot who knows if he even exists, but like he helped me a lot because he recommended this one um, website and off the top of my head, I don't know what it is, but I only used it for a short time. But the first thing that came up was grief has no timeline. Some people grieve for like a very long time and some people grieve for just a moment. And my twin and I are a perfect example. We technically potentially have the same DNA, although your DNA changes over time. And so we might not be identical at this juncture. And anyone who knows us now probably doesn't think we are. But she grieved very shortly because she was not so intimately involved with my dad's life. And I wasn't so much either. I was living across the country. But nonetheless, um, I'm still grieving. One year later, I still think about, about my dad all the time. Now, whereas my sister has like literally been able to move on. I, I actually, I lost 
to like I started losing my hair in patches, mostly because I was not taking care of myself. I was incredibly depressed about my dad going away from me. Um, but I've come to terms with it, and I know now that he's not suffering anymore. And I take solace. I take so much solace in that. Like my dad was mentally ill. He had childhood trauma that lasted his entire life. Um, but nonetheless, like people grieve in different ways because, like what your friend Samantha was saying, like it, it like it's nobody can tell you when to stop grieving. It's just gonna happen for you when it happens. If you never stop grieving that person, there's nothing wrong with you. Don't feel remorse about like being sad some days because you're thinking about your dad or your mom or your brother or your friend. Um, and she had some profound things to say in that, like when someone dies young and, and out of the blue, it's really scary. And you, you recognize your own morbidity when someone dies when they're old and they've been in hospice, like you guys talked about, you kind of, you, you anticipate it, but it still doesn't make that loss any less. You're still going to be sad and, and you don't know how long, how long you're going to be sad. It's so personal and it's so kind of you to share what's so personal with, with the greater world. Um, because I do, I think we're all one tragedy away from being humbled to like the deepest extents of humility. And, you know, and I think especially the fact that you had that powerful conversation with them the day before, obviously, in my opinion, that had something to do with it in a good way, not in a bad way, like um, almost like permission. But that also must be scary and crippling and horrifying for you. It really is. And if like, I mean, I don't want to go on for a, an incredibly long time, but like, quite frankly, I went up to like deal with my father's stuff and I jumped in the river exactly where he potentially jumped in the river. And then recently, a couple months ago, I went up with my little sister. She's 16 years younger than me. I went up with her and, and we spread some of his ashes just right in that spot too. Wow. And I still have some of his ashes, but um, she and I stood on the bank of the river where we think he went in. We don't know. Nobody knows because we didn't find his body for... A little while but and i know i'm and i don't like i don't think i have to be concerned about how morbid it sounds but i literally my dad was there that day he was standing there right there with us his energy was anyway yeah totally no i million and one percent believe you and it's just it's so hard and um you know you mentioned you have a pretty big family so there's a lot of people who are affected by it i'm sure and uh you know i know Becky personally, which by the way, Becky, when I called you an evil twin earlier, I was totally kidding. Please don't hate me forever. Um, <laughs> I still feel guilty about making a joke. Um, but seriously, um, it is cool that the two of you kind of dealt with it together because I think that is like pretty special. And yeah, you know, and I it comes up a lot on this uh, this show, suicide, and it's it's just such a like terrible, interesting, terrifying subject. But I do think that not talking about it for like a hundred years straight was obviously not very good for Americans because I don't talk about other cultures, but in our culture, it's so taboo to talk about it, let alone um, experience it. Death in general is a, a taboo thing to talk about. Um, do I think of my dad as a coward because he committed suicide or do I, do I think of him as brave and like taking himself out? Like when, with the state of the world as it is, I'm like, shoot, do I want to go there too? And wherever my dad is, 
it, wherever my dad is, like, I, do I want to go there too? You know, I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not suicidal, but I was actually severely depressed after my father died. And I dealt with my depression by literally moving across the country and changing everything about my world. And it was scary. Well, I was I was shocked that you moved back. Um, not shocked as in like, I can't believe you did that. But I just like the timing of it was so like in between talking to you and stuff. And, you know, whenever a friend of mine loses someone very close to them, I try to like immediately tell them how much I love them. And then I try to back the hell away because I like you said, grieving is such a different individual process but i think that's uh, personally my solution to a lot of life problems has been to move and it's not because i'm running away from something it's because right you get like a fresh perspective so i'm with you and also i'm really glad you're doing landscaping because uh, part of why i called you a hippie is that you are like you love being out in nature and you love like just going to like the river or the ocean and you know so i, I think that fits you like a glove and then they, to hear that you're still bartending is cool because you are like the friendliest, nicest bartender ever. So, um, until you're not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, until you like, until I'm in the weeds and you piss me off and then somebody orders like <laughs> a side of ranch. When I asked you if you wanted ranch and you said, you don't want ranch. <laughs> no, I, um, I really think that like, I'm not, I always say that I'm not very, like, I'm not exceptionally good at anything, but I am very much a people person. So the gardening is so wonderful because I, can vent out in the garden but then also like i can schmooze i mean i i just spent the weekend four nights in a row schmoozing a bunch of honkies it was great but it's not eugenio's mikey and anybody who's listening to this that knows us they're gonna understand that that's all yeah yeah no it's the most special magical like it's it's almost like and it's also weird because uh they made that show portlandia about portland and like we were there those exact years except we were at eugenio's which is like the weirdest of weird places in that weird city oh yeah i was i was curious um this is like a really weird question but it came to me to ask it to you so i have a feeling it's gonna strike well aside from losing your father what's the other like death in your life that affected you the most Ooh, that is a fantastic question actually i'm an incredibly sensitive person so like i had a i had a baby possum on the way home from work the other night and it literally like i cried like I, possums are Okay, so if anyone is listening from the like northeastern Pennsylvania area, possums are good. They eat ticks, and ticks cause Lyme disease. However, um, I'm I, like I could I I got sad when John Prime died. I got sad when Tom Petty died. I got sad when when my friend's cousin, who I didn't even know, died. And death is to me, it's like. I don't even have to know the person to feel incredibly sad about them dying because not that, I mean, in all honesty, in death, is that like, like when we are set free from this world, this crazy, this crazy world we live in, but the people you leave behind are, are saddened. But like your friend said in um, the previous podcast, like, when they're older, you kind of expect it and you say, oh, they lived a good life and, and people are celebrating that you're moving on to the next realm, wherever, whatever that is. In my next realm, my next realm, it, you, first of all, you better be there. Um, in my, in my next, in my next realm, we'll be at Eugenio's on a night when like, uh, the, the band is playing and nothing's going wrong. 
Like, I'm about to celebrate the life of a very dear person in my life who was a family friend. And I just thought of him as the bee's knees. But he's, like, partying in, quote, unquote, heaven now with my dad. And, and all, and, yeah, he's, and all the other people up there. That, that, up there, down there, however you want, or right here. Maybe they're partying right in front of us and we don't even know. At the, and when I die, that's where I want to be. Totally. I totally agree. That's, yeah, that's special. I am running out of time, but I did want to give you one last chance to kind of like, you kind of touched on it just now, but um, I wanted to be a little more specific with you. So you're very unique because you're actually from like, like you said, like a small town in Pennsylvania, which means you grew up in like a more like conservative America, but then you also lived in like Portland, Oregon for I think eight years, which is like a, probably the most liberal area of the country. So since you know both cultures so well, and we have this quote unquote culture war, something I hate even to call it, but I'm going to call it for that purpose. What is exactly like your take as someone who's lived in both? Like, do you see any sort of like peaceful middle for this quote unquote culture war? I can talk to people around here and like political parties are non-existent to me at this juncture. Um, do you care about your fellow man? And uh what I can say about like living in a urban area and then also living in a rural area is like the the people in rural areas are so disenfranchised and so and in a, in a certain sense people in urban areas are disenfranchised too and in all actuality what we need to do is like we are like people always say one side or the other it doesn't matter you democrat republican doesn't matter um, are we the United States of America? Do we all care about the greater good? Do we all care? So just because something doesn't affect me doesn't mean that it doesn't affect another person negatively. And so in my opinion, I'm like, just let me be me and I'll let you be you. Just don't be a dick. And if you being you affects me, I'm going to tell you and uh, don't be a dick. That's awesome. I love it. I actually already have a podcast entitled Don't Be a, 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 Some Other Word. So I don't know if I can call the episode that again, but that is such a good way to end the episode. Um, Kate Arthur, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show. Um, seriously, I knew it was going to be fun and we easily could talk for another hour and actually we're going to hang up and probably keep talking. But um, So to our audience listening, um, thank you again for your support. It really means the world to us. Um, if you want to go the extra mile, please head over to MikeyApp.com, hit subscribe, and maybe even consider a Patreon or premium subscription. And uh, if not, we love you and we just uh, enjoy having conversations. So keep coming back. Uh, this has been another episode of Coffin Talk. My name is Mike Oppenheim and we will see you soon. Ooh.